The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show where we occasionally talk about PlayStation. Uh, This is episode 606. I am joined this week by Brian Altana. Beyond. Lucy O'Brien. Beyond. And Max Scoville. Beyond. And before we begin, everyone, uh, I just wanted to say, apropos of nothing whatsoever going on in the world, uh, that I all... I love working with all of you every day. You're all wonderful, amazing people to work with. Smart, funny, intelligent. I was not paid to say any of this. What's the, uh, are you leaving? What's the catch? No, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to start off the show on a note of positivity. So yes. nice of you. Yeah. We think you're awesome. Not oh, enough posi- positivity in the world. Uh, yeah. You guys are all great. You all do amazing work. I love doing the show with you when we can all find the time to be together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like there hasn't been enough of that this year. Yeah, it's a lot of, yeah. lot of scattered... Travel time and stuff. It's been a bit of a crazy year. I'm hoping with less travel going on this fall, we can maybe do that more. But uh, I'm quite looking forward to not being on a plane. Yeah. I just like, I just boarded a plane uh, from New Zealand to San Francisco recently, and I thought I was going to, like, I think I had like something, I don't know. I was either like really anxious or I had a stomach bug or something was going on. I just felt really nauseous. And I was in the middle row of a middle row Oof. on a full flight. And I just thought, this is how I die. Yeah. How you, you, do you know you what can I mean? Pick like, your seats. <laughs> But it was a full flight. But you could pick it before that. Yeah, but I screwed it up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. How long is that flight? That is that is a 12-hour flight. Oh, You'll be happy to know that I took a melatonin with um, a whole bunch of uh, scotch, and I fell asleep before Good. anything could happen. Good, And I woke guess. up feeling fine. I well, flew back from London on a New Zealand flight, and the flight from London to New Zealand is so long that the plane had to stop and go to the bathroom. The whole plane did. <laughs> There's like a, big, a big hose that comes out of the bottom, and it... Just up a one wing. single. It's yeah. it's like that wonderful Transformer scene that we all love. I love those films. Pete yes, on John Turturro. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, like <laughs> melatonin and a glass of scotch. Uh, let's jump into this wonderfully soothing show and dive into our favorite segment, News Crunch. Crunch. <laughs> There's that oh, yeah. sound again. That sound and that child uh, mm-hmm. who we still don't pay. Uh, <laughs> not too many items on News Crunch this week, but a few big things uh, because, most importantly, Death Stranding is the game that continues to not stop giving, even though uh, on the show last week we were all like, hey, we've seen enough and heard enough. We could just wait. 
but uh, there's more coming from Kojima. Namely, that he talks about the fact that he thinks more Death Stranding games are needed to start this new genre. Um, the genre, of course, that he is saying is the Strand genre, and to keep it as a continuing genre, he said, when you create something new, you have to create a sequel and then a third version, or it will not remain as a genre. When this game comes out, there will be a lot of pros and cons, and these elements could become the essence of the core part, but I think it's better that I keep it going in a sequel. I I haven't played this game yet. <laughs> Nobody has, but it feels like it's like I kind of already feel like I've played the genres that this game is in. I haven't really seen the parts where this is like a new genre. It reminds me of when, when Uber was like, we want to make like a long car that picks people up and drops them off all over town. And people were like, that's a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like he's putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, it made me think like, when was the last time a ga- like a modern game came out that kickstarted a whole brand new genre? PUBG? I mean, I, like Dark Souls-ish, you, but like... What did you say? PUBG. Yeah, I, oh, PUBG, I mean, it yeah. wasn't the first Battle Royale game, I don't, but like in terms of like popular popularizing it to it being a phenomenon. Um, I think that's I mean, actually a good, there's, yeah. There's like Telltale's Walking Dead, but that was sort of a crystallization of the adventure genre from, from decades before that. So, um, I mean, no idea is truly original. Obviously, we're going to always get some reformatted version of something that we've been leaning on for, for decades, especially with a medium as old as ours now. Um, I, I, rhythm games popped up, but even those like had elements that trickled back to early generations. So, yeah, I... I I, again, haven't played this game yet. I haven't really seen exactly what makes this a brand new genre. So far, it looks like uh, an, an open-world action game with mild stealth elements and pissing. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, all the mechanics. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally. And, 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 you know, I am extremely excited for it as well. But it does look like, um, you know, all the mechanics look very familiar to me. It's just that the sort of the wrapping around them is really weird and, dif- and different. Yeah, like that, that's sort of how I feel, and I think that that is most Kojima games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's games are so iterative, and it's weird at this point where everything has like there's the conversation of like how, what's an RPG, what's an action game when everything has little bits of RPG elements and action themes left and right. Our, our game of the year awards at IGN here are insufferable every December because oh, we're always arguing yeah. the semantics between an action game, an adventure game, action uh, adventure, an action adventure game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An RPG. I and also, like, maybe nailing down the best game of the year when games get, like, multiple year, like, content roadmaps is sort of missing the point, too. But, oh, well. Um, <laughs> Stay tuned uh, till December when we duke it all out in yeah. one conference. I um, will have torn out my ribcage yes. by then. It's just, <laughs> I don't it's, this year. I don't know. There's that, there's that old quote. It's like, it's like, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. And it's like arguing about the nuances of video <laughs> games. Like, finding a new genre in video games is so weird because everything is sort of stacked upon everything else. Yeah. And, like... This is going to have plenty of stuff that is totally familiar. This is a game where you're going to make the man walk with the right stick and look around with the or the left stick and look around with the right stick. There's going to be things where you're like, what if you reversed it though? What if he was walking that would with suck. the right stick? That would be terrible. He looked around with the right stick. It's a new genre. You hold the controller to. sideways and talk into it like a telephone. <laughs> um, no, I don't know this this game. I think that looking at it, the the thing that he's trying to do, and I, I feel like there might be more stuff under the hood that we haven't seen with the sort of social side of it. Um, but this basically looks like Kerbal Space Program with a man who's on the ground. <laughs> you know, like you just load him up with a bunch of crap and you're like, don't fall over. Don't go in the river. Uh, and I'm, I'm into that. Um, don't look at his crotch. <laughs> Kojima actually tweeted out um, day before yesterday, I think, a, the cover of the movie Sorcerer, which I, have I talked about this on the show before? You have not, I don't think. Okay, so this is like weirdly one of the most video gamey movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, I, I have a hunch that it, 
heavily inspired Grand Theft Auto Five because um, it's about it's about like uh, four people who are basically uh, they have to team up to drive this truck full of dynamite through the jungle. And it's this kind of thing where they're all sort of trying to get, they're all trying to get out of this. They're in like South America somewhere and they're all trying to get out of this one town. And they need to, the only way out is like with this horrible, like kind of death mission together. Uh, and it feels very much like the same way in GTA five. It's like these sort of three oddball characters have to like, they have to team up because they all have different needs. They need met. Um, incidentally, the, the soundtrack is by Tangerine dream. William Friedkin also did to live and die in LA, which is also very heavily, you know, a uh, theme there. Uh, but the sorcerer thing with, with death stranding is there's this scene in that movie. It's on the cover of the, of the movie, so it's not really a, like a spoiler. <laughs> Basically, it's this this beat to beat to crap truck that's going across this like rickety old bridge, and it is this phenomenal scene. It's like pouring rain. They're going across this river, and it's this like terrifying rope bridge, and it's this old truck, and these dudes are trying to get this like shaky dynamite car across this bridge, and it's totally like it's totally video gamey because it's this this clear objective. Like it's not really like there's not really any good or good or evil in the movie. It's kind of like that's irrelevant. It's more like point a to point b but there's a bunch of crap getting in between those two points uh and i kind of love that kojima's like it like you look at death stranding you're like there's nothing about like south america or trucks or like dynamite in this but the sort of the core concept the still seems to be there yeah, yeah where it's like what if the journey was the most interesting part right uh and i'm i'm really excited about that i think i'm i mean that's sorcerer is a very strange movie it's a remake of an old french film called the wages of fear but like hmm. it, it oddly seems like it sort of has a a place in in games you know mm-hmm. like it's it, occasionally we get those movies that are just very like very gamey but oftentimes those kind of have come out since video games became a respected medium whereas this is a film from like 1978 or something oh interesting yeah um anyway dynamite truck great film <laughs> a plus but yeah no i th- i mean kojima is someone who wears his inspirations on his sleeve so there being probably a direct parallel if sorcerer did influence it i wouldn't be surprised if there's mm-hmm. something in there that it very much calls out but in terms of this like this strand genre thing to me what we've seen so far of the like asynchronous multiplayer, as a couple of you have mentioned, feels basically like Dark Souls. Like it feels like that methodology. So I do wonder how much more there is left to see from how that interacts with the game and what it will be like to play the game on day one versus day one hundred mm-hmm. when people have spent time through the whole what experience. Do you, what do you think the whole? Because you know this is a I think it was IGN's very own Seth Macy tweeted out what the kind of initial response is going to be followed by the response. 100 days down the line. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, is it going to be one of those games where people immediately go, it's a masterpiece and get all carried away by how weird and different and and interesting it is. And then there's going to be that inevitable, "Mm, let's let's take another look at this. Actually, no, it's not a masterpiece. It's actually quite like crap. And then there'll be like another surge of, no, actually, you haters, you know, because by that point, Death Stranding will be the pariah of video games. Sure. Uh, it actually is a, a masterwork, and it's just, you know, that kind of conversation is going to go on. I can, I can kind of see that happening. I, oh, I was like, saying last yeah. week that I, I genuinely believe this is going to be an incredibly divisive game on day one. Mm. On day one. Like, right out the gate. And this is going to be with the audience, with, with critics, who, by the way, also is the audience like we, we all play video games there isn't this hate them yeah exactly i know we're on different sides of the metacritic but it's really it's <laughs> everyone is playing video games and talking about them some people write about them afterwards and some people don't i mean that's the only major difference really um i think that people are going into this with massive expectations because of the pedigree of the figurehead behind it and also 
the freedom of the last game and the scope of that, of Metal Gear Solid Five, mixed with the evolution of open world games that we've seen in our lives and the expectations of people coming in who are Horizon fans and are seeing it running on, on the specific engine. There's a lot of weight and a lot of baggage going into this. It's also the, what, three-year expectations, previews and trailers and all of that that go into all of this. And I think, invariably, people are going to be surprised and people are going to be disappointed so i think it i I think it's not as binary as um people will like it and then they won't i think on day one (laughs) this will be there'll be a lot of heated arguments over this and it's going to be awesome honestly i'm really excited for that yeah me too yeah yeah i think um i I think people are a lot of people are sick of kojima i think there's a lot of people who are like that whole sort of thing where he's he's a he's an auteur and he's a he's a mastermind like i think there's plenty of people who are like no, nah, I'm tired of that conversation. I, you know, I want to switch that narrative up. And, you know, I mean, Seth is demonstrating that. I think I also, like, we, I got an argument with Seth a million years ago about Metal Gear Solid 2, <laughs> and he, like, privately slacked me and was like, hey, man, I actually replayed that, and I, I retract my previous statements. It's actually a very good game. Like, <laughs> Told you. Um, Seth's a good dude. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I think that it was just a quite an accurate observation. Yeah, yeah um, no, I, I totally think we'll see that cycle. I do agree with Brian, though. I do think there will actually be a split on day one. I totally do think there will be people, regardless of its quality, and I genuinely am excited to play it and assess it for myself, but I think there will be some people who see it as a masterpiece, some people who are beyond frustrated with it and think it's terrible day yeah. one. Has, there, ever, there, be. has there ever been a Kojima game that you guys haven't liked? I don't like Zone of the Enders. I don't. Yeah, I never got I'm, any of those games. I'm kind of whatever on that. Um, I wasn't crazy about most of four. I thought that was like kind of a frustrating experience. Um, four is four is weird. Yeah, it is. It's a really like it's. I, I totally forgot about all the like the live action commercials that are in there. Yeah, oh, which yeah. I I love thematically and as a concept, but as something that in sort of intrudes repeatedly in in the actual storytelling. I don't think that meshed as well as he wanted it to. I think the four is a technical masterpiece. Like yes. it's an absolutely gorgeous looking game, but as far as like it was an answer to a question that I think he meant to leave unanswered. Like I I love the world building in that game. I love how like in in my head that's sort of like what what was it Terminator Salvation? Mm-hmm. The third mm-hmm. one? Fourth one? Fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. With like that's what that's what that was sort of trying to do of like what's what is this boots on the ground like approach to fighting mechs feel like <laughs> yeah and sneaking around i really dug that um but i don't think there's like i, I think your your implications are, are really rock solid here lucy that there isn't really a knock it out the park everyone agrees on this kojima game and that's i think that's a good thing i mean outside of the, probably the first one i think snake eater is pretty much widely considered the best one snake yeah. eater snake yeah. eater fish yeah i mean that's the best but there's still a bunch of people that are like i didn't care for it you know yeah, I mean, but they're wrong. They're wrong. Yeah, that's possible. For me, like, I guess I, I, I sort of mean it in a more personal way. Like, for me, I, every single Kojima-led game that I've played, I've really loved. Like, uh, even four, which I loved at the time, but sort of d- it didn't stick with me as the others did. Um, I still loved it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm still going into Death Stranding very with you know trepidation and everything, but like. I expect to. I expect to absolutely love it. And yeah. I've never played a Kojima game in full, so oh, um, this will be my first. Hopefully, this is cheating on the show. But uh, Metal Gear Solid Two and Three HD just dropped on Game Pass. Get it together, Sony. Yeah. And so you can boot up your Xbox and play it there conveniently for you know the monthly low cost, while it continues to remain ignored on PlayStation as a convenient and easy way to play it. 
Well, some of the most yeah. fun people have with games is trying to play them. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, real fun. Where, of, that's where piracy always wins. It's the yeah. real fun of Death Stranding is waiting for it to come out. It's uh, going to no. be like watching TV next year when there are 13 streaming services. Yeah, and you know where to find show. Uh, to, to, to like kind of bookend this, I I think it's going to be a really interesting first few days, and I actually like that better than everyone loves it or everyone hates it because that's not. It's not as interesting to me. And know. often you know, you know, you know how a game is going to perform. You know how it's going to yep. be received. And this is such an un unknown quantity, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's uh, it's a it is a game that couldn't exist, sort of in in olden days. Like it's uh, you see some stuff where it's like if somebody's like you know, the character is jumping or shooting or it's a racing game or whatever. It's the, the kind of thing you could make a very like like a low poly simple version. But this is an open world physics based game, um, and the idea that it's about like Oh, how do you like? How do you traverse this? How do you have this character's balance? Like that's pretty like technologically advanced. Yeah. Um, and I love that it's taking it's it's totally like when you carry groceries in from the car. I think I said that last week. Or like when you're if you're helping somebody move. I've helped people move so many times, and there's always that thing where oh, like man. I'm going to take as many boxes as I can without falling over. And it's <laughs> kind of taking that and gamifying it, yeah. but then like putting it in a, in a like trying to contextualize it in this completely bonkers like sci-fi setting. You were also, also friends with the yeah. president. Yeah, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I think some people are going to be fundamentally bad at it too. Like, I think yeah. people are just bad. Like, I, I moved in January and I found out that my wife, who I absolutely adore, I married her. Um, her Achilles heel is that she's terrible at moving. Like, she's just really bad at packing. Like, she packed one box that was just like, it was just like a record player and like six glasses. And I was like, what was the plan here? And it just exploded into smithereens in the back of my, our, my car. These things go together. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll handle this. Like, God. But I also, when I moved to California, I mailed six boxes to myself from New Jersey. And one of them just had a coffee pot and socks. And the coffee bot exploded into smithereens, <laughs> as it does. And my first week out here, I just had a bunch of socks full of glass that I had to throw out. And so, like, I don't. I think some people are just bad at that. Yeah. And, and that's gonna be really funny I'm, to I'm see. I'm excited to be bad at this game. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's yeah. one of my big secrets is I'm actually I I suck at stealth games. Like oh, I'm very oh, I'm bad, so bad at them. them. It's yeah. because you just get because for me it's because I get just frustrated. I'm just like, Ugh. well, yeah, that's he's wait. nine feet yeah. tall and wears party shirts. He's well, not. Well, gonna yeah, hide. I'm not a very <laughs> sneaky man. Yeah. Uh, but I think I also like I overthink it, and a lot of that is in a weird way. Like I feel like more rudimentary stealth games are like there's a kind of rhythm element to it. Yeah, and I'm just crap at that. But what I've always liked about Metal Gear games is that they like they reward you for trying to sort of think around things like it's just it's all this like sort of counterintuitive stuff and the, and the weirdness and like the fact that it's like oh you can hang off the edge of the railing but you gotta you're gonna lose your grip eventually you can do pull-ups to increase your grip but I'm like well, what a wild concept <laughs> like stealth games got loose at some point I remember playing the early splinter cells and they're like ha caught and then you had your crappy little gun you'd be like fit 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 and it like a guy would be like, I'm yeah. machine gun. Firing like yeah. it's like yeah. got a silencer on yeah, it. So it's like, like <laughs> <laughs> you throw, like, throw a can of soda at him and you'd be like, Sleepy, hey. sleeping dots. Exactly yeah. the sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually there were like it was like sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Oops. Ah yeah. and then just guns. No, I've totally everywhere. like I've totally played through Metal Gear games just completely loud and just quiet, like knowing like I'm doing this wrong. This isn't yep. how you're supposed to do it. I'm stupid, but I just want to have fun in the, with the game and see the story. Um one of my favorite sort of anecdotes was I went, went to um I went to Tokyo or Japan to see Ground Zeroes when it was about to come out, and mm. this is the first time playing this game hands-on. I was like losing my mind. I was so excited, and it was in this you know big kind of preview event room. And you know they they pitched that as like, hey, it's Metal Gear in an open world. It's the first time you can just do whatever you want and go crazy. And I'm like, cool, that sounds great. The first thing I want to do is I want to screw around like a sandbox game. I want to do that kind. I want to kick the tires a little bit. 
And so I'm, I, I jump in there and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a truck, and just drive around honking the horn and just being like a dummy, just running into fences and stuff. And I feel a hand on my shoulder and I turn around and it's uh, Ken Imazumi, the game's producer. And he's like, I, uh, have, you, have, you, have you played a Metal Gear game before? And behind him, it's like Kojima and Yoji Shinkawa and like there are a bunch of other people and they're just all like watching me and I'm just like driving this stupid truck through this. GTA. Just like honk, honk. honk. Just like, the Americans are here. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I wanted to see USA. what it was. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I wanted to see. What it would do? I wanted to. I wanted to like. I wanted to. I wanted to yeah, break you it. I wanted, yeah, yeah. The cheeseburger football man is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like. I was so embarrassed, but I was just like, no, no. I I want to see what like exactly how free this world is, yeah, and I want yeah, to go yeah. completely nuts. And he's like, okay, good. And then I was, you know, managed to. That's a very short game. I managed to beat it during the preview event. So, um, but it's like. I don't know. I'm excited to do that in Death Stranding. Like, I want to put like 18 boxes on one side of Norman Reedus and like give him like a soda for the other hand and just have him like walking around all lopsided and falling down hills and stuff. It's gonna be great. Uh, I love the <laughs> falling backwards just, like a donkey, uh, you know, overloaded donkey. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's just on the floor like a baby with his arms in the air, like an upside down turtle. Norman Reedus had no idea what he signed himself up for for this game, and I kind of love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I'm very excited knowing especially that like as you mentioned a little bit before Max there are like nine different uh like variables for Norman Reedus as you're going through the game it's like the balance and his weight and his agility and all these things so like the complexity of having to balance all those things and what happens if you try to tip the scale in certain ways I'm excited to see what that let's happen because obviously they've probably programmed for that yep um we will probably be talking about death stranding a lot more uh in the weeks and month to come it is a little over a month and a half away that game so (sighs) we will likely be playing it very shortly super excited any of you buying the baby (laughs) oh the special edition yeah i don't want that in my house yeah yeah i think that's like i i i as a as a father, I can't imagine owning that. <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing I maybe would have thought about a couple of years ago before being a dad. But now it's just like this concept of this, like, this, like, frozen baby in a jar of, like, amniotic fluid piss or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It just sits on my desk forever. No, thank you. There's no way to explain that contextually to anyone. And I have a work desk full of nonsense trash. <laughs> like, I can't imagine having that, like, in my apartment. And then, like, somebody comes over for the first time. And I'm like, here's the thing. Uh, in a in post-apocalyptic uh, America, the Daryl from Walking Dead has... <laughs> so there's no way... There's, there's, there's no, no good way to... He has to yeah. play the harmonica for the baby in his mud puddle to come the baby down because you fell in the creek shadow ghouls from the nether realm that can be killed with piss try to attack <laughs> you with their time like, no. if he becomes tired he can chug a monster energy drink and put on his favorite red hat You're like what is the wrong best way you? over a mountain is a ladder <laughs> you can have ladders from strangers on the computer who left them there for you have you ever seen the game awards <laughs> he's in it <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, but if you're buying it, um, please take pictures of it in weird places and send them to us at uh, beyond.ign.com. Please do that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. This has been amazing. Uh, no, uh, we're going to keep moving on. Uh, if you want somewhere you can go buy the Death Stranding Baby, maybe it's at a redesigned GameStop. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Earlier this week, a video leaked, but not really leaked. We talked about this a lot in the office, so everyone who's getting mad at the headline, I'll explain it in a bit. But anyway, uh, in a video appeared on a GameStop Facebook page of a local regional GameStop 
showing off what is supposedly one of the redesigned layouts for a GameStop store. Uh, they're going through their GameStop, I believe, reboot initiative. Uh, and the Facebook page for a store in Pryor, Oklahoma, posted a video tour of the new layout. Uh, we were able to confirm, our reporter Matt Kim was able to confirm with some sources that this is, in fact, uh, it matches the blueprint layout of the redesign shown at GameStop's annual conference, so it seems to be legit. Uh, the video itself, it's sort of a shaky vertical Facebook camera video so it's not the most high def, but what it shows is uh, basically what these stores will look like going forward, and that includes uh, ditching the glossy black and white aesthetic of current GameStop locations, uh, as Matt wrote in our story. Instead, the store now sports a more muted gray color aesthetic with faux wood paneling. Uh, the store is also sleeker and more streamlined with cleaner rows of games, as well as a small table for video game apparel and figures. There's also a wall-mounted tablet in the store that customers can order from, as well as a sofa and HDTV located in the middle of the store. Then in the back of the store, there's a new space with CRT TVs and tables, apparently used for tabletop games, uh, and that would align with the store's previously stated goals that they're looking to make GameStops more like event huh. spaces. They've um, also pledged to remove all of the dead animals. <laughs> Good. Yeah. There were hundreds of dead birds in every GameStop, and they've finally gotten rid of them. But it's, that'll be a 2021. Yeah. Okay, um, like, I'm not super familiar with GameStop. I've been into a few in my lifetime. But like EB Games, which is their sister stores in Australia and New Zealand. I mean, basically half of those stores nowadays are just Funko Pops. Yeah. yeah. Is that I mean, that's what GameStop GameStop? are. Yeah. Well, They're a lot more than right. they used to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let me, let me pop through this real quick. Okay. okay. So when you hear GameStop, uh, you probably have a gut reaction, which is like, screw them. They, as a gamer who buys video games at retail, they have wronged me at some point. And you're right. They did. Um, <laughs> they did that to all of us. At some point, they sold us a used game as new. They were laminating stuff in the back. They gave you 14 cents for a game you bought yesterday that's brand new. They sold you a game guarantee, which is under yeah, law. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to get that all out of the way, yes, uh, they have definitely had shady business practices over the years. That said, uh, they are closing hundreds of stores nationwide, including, which is, I think, like something they sort of tucked away in the this kind of soft news that was like, hey, we're putting couches in our stores now. We're making them a place where you want to spend time and not just leave immediately. Um, they're closing the one on Market Street here in San Francisco, which is their flagship video game store. This is a major city in America, and we now have one video game store in the entire city, and that's GameStop in the Mission, which is incredibly tiny. That um, one's still open? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the I hell? I will pass it off, and I'm like, this is so out of place. And so yeah. the reason I'm sad about this sort of, you know, march to death that, that this this store and many other retail chains across the country and the world are, are heading towards right now specifically is because I think that it's a good thing as somebody who celebrates video games every single second of every single day to have a physical retail space dedicated to displaying them, showing them off, and selling them. I think that's a really cool thing to have. I, I was in a GameStop the other day uh, pre-ordering the Nintendo Switch Lite because I didn't want to deal with like Amazon maybe being a day late. I wanted to bring it in on Friday and, like I don't know, start making content on it and start playing with it, hanging out. Um, and a guy walked into the store, and he was looking to buy a Switch, and he was like, what kind of shooters do they have on there? And the, the guy behind the counter was like, they have Doom, and I was like, and both Wolfensteins. And he was like, oh, yeah, and both Wolfensteins. And he's like, oh, man, they got Wolfenstein? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm going to buy a Switch and both of the Wolfensteins. And it was like, that doesn't really happen without a store. You know, maybe it happens on a subreddit. Maybe it happens on Amazon. 
Also, if you're going to work a soul-sucking retail job, which I worked several of back in the day, uh, from grocery stores to Staples, the awful place that sells like office furniture and pens and rubber bands and rubber bands yeah. a miserable place like i hated that job to the point so much that i would wear my staple shirt to work because that's what you have to do at a job and people would come in and be like can i have your help and i'd be like i don't work here and they'd be like why are you wearing that shirt and i'd be like i think it's a cool shirt that's how much i hated that job so working retail sucks many of you listening work retail it's horrible i think if you're going to work retail and you can talk to people about doom and wolfenstein at your job that rules that's oh, yeah. awesome that said these stores are so small in 2019. Most of them are tucked in the back of malls, which are, you know, dying on a parallel level. That moving a bunch of stuff out to move a couch in and recreating the, the finishings inside to look bleak and gray and brutalist almost is not going to, it is like literally moving deck chairs around the Titanic or adding a couch. So people can play Smash Brothers on the Titanic. Hey, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I think wood paneling and CRT TVs are the way of the future. So, <laughs> I, I mean... Holstered I, furniture I, in public well, spaces. Okay. What could go wrong? My, yeah. my, my, like, and my counter-argument, but this is the thing. Like, I, I don't think it's going to help, but I can see the rationale. Um, and I say yeah. this, you know, coming from... And I've, I've mentioned this before. I don't want to bang the drum, but I'm going to bang the drum. Um, the fact that my, my dad my whole life has owned a record store, right? And part of that is because he's kind of, record stores are now more like destination places. Yes. Like they're less like you go there and like there's a cold transaction and you leave. And it's more like this is a place that you go to hang out. You know, you feel comfortable there. You're surrounded by like-minded people. You can like chat and chill and listen to music mm -hmm. for, you know, for hours or whatever. And so I kind of, and, and, and vinyl has had a resurgence Thanks to that, in a similar vein that I guess retro video oh, games, board is, games is interest there. Yeah, players. board games. Vin vinyl outsold any other physical media of music for the first time in like 30 years. Or yeah, 20 years, yeah. Just this year, yeah. Yeah, and you know, so I can kind of understand the rationale of making these stores destination stores rather than this is like a, this is, I'm trying to compete with digital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you're right. Like, I, there's a difference between hearing something on vinyl for the first time in a store and playing a video game that is pretty much readily available on most on one system or the other on a CRT TV yeah. in the store. What? Well, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, and I also think there's a difference. I agree with you. I totally get the rationale behind this and mm. making these stores like this. There's a couple local like board game shops in San Francisco that I go to pretty often, and we'll talk to the people behind the counter and know them pretty friendly. And we'll it's, it's building community, people. right? It, it builds yeah. community. But the thing about those stores is they are maybe at most of a chain of three. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. The fact that this is part of a uh, international, like global, and especially uh, in the states focused, like very big corporation. I don't think they can sustain themselves yeah. on that sort of shop. Like I yeah. just don't think. The reality I think there's, there's also that mentality of like wanting to support the local mom and sh mom and pop shop. Yeah, and I mean, people have you know people have their grudges against GameStop. Yeah, um, and I, I, there there is totally that. I it it depresses the hell out of me that there is this sort of death of like physical places to socialize and meet people. You know, like the, it's really sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, don't know, I guess you have like libraries you know there's like, there's bars which bars. are loud and obnoxious and there's coffee shops which like are probably your best option uh mm -hmm. libraries which are the opposite of bars they're quiet um in san francisco we here where ign is we've seen like this darth of uh, dead 
restaurants and bars and establishments. And I think a lot of them are turning into delivery only places. And it's, we are watching the decline of like actual brick and mortar places where people can go and spend time and hang out. Coffee shops remain strong. There's thousands of blue bottles and everything else in the city, a million Starbucks. Um, but the idea of going to a place and hanging out is is very difficult to do. And I travel a lot for fast travel. I go to a lot of retro stores. A lot of them have uh, game rooms in the back that have like rows of CRTs and Smash Brothers. They host tournaments. Dudes come in and smoke weed. They have all types of fun, right? And then like the, what the store does is like they maybe charge a fee for a couple hours or they sell drinks or snacks or something like that to sort of like maintain everything. I don't think that this global, you know, national, whatever it is, giant chain can sell corn nuts and Dr. Peppers and have people play Smash Brothers on the couch for a few hours and sustain their business model. No, it's kind of too little too late. Well, this yeah. is this is all, I mean, regardless of how you feel about them as a business and a practice, their entire operation is existing in tandem with the death of physical media for our entire industry and medium. And so what happens there, you know? We have an Amazon Go store in San Francisco, several of them actually, and they're bizarre places because they're almost entirely robot controlled. One sad man stands in the front and you go in and you scan an app through a turnstile, you go in a store, you grab stuff off the shelf and you walk out like stealing and it gets charged to your Amazon account instantly. What that store also does is it pings you the second you leave and it goes, congrats, you spent two minutes and 40 seconds in our store. And nobody in history has ever spent more than four minutes in there because you'd kill yourself. <laughs> and so you have, a, you have a, a massive global company that is making brick and mortar stores that don't have people working in them that challenge you to leave them as fast as possible. And then you have this other store that it's like, how do we get you to sit on the couch and stay for a long time? And these stores are in the back of malls and they're this they're eight by ten you know they're incredibly tiny and then and there's so, the, the mall conversation entirely yeah yeah, yeah exactly you know. and so i think that like the think geek thing didn't work out as a place where you could buy zelda socks and funko pops and you know fallout oven mitts and stuff that didn't work um that company folded and just became part of gamestop and now we're going to see this happen all over again and these guys basically have to sustain themselves for the next year until the next gen consoles are out and they have to hope that that's their hail mary but this is just going to keep popping up yeah and it's gonna and, be sad to watch yeah it's gonna be a very interesting couple of years because that the new console generation is going to create a boon for them for sure yeah if they survive that long without demonstrably closing a lot more stores mm -hmm. but then where does it go from there it's yeah. very curious to see and we'll definitely be covering that a lot on ign also, uh, as we see updates also I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of gamestop employees who listen to the show um I would love to hear what their feelings on that is. Yeah. Like, that can't be great for morale to be like, oh, we're closing a bunch of the stores that don't perform as well. Is it like a little kick in the ass for anybody who's not meeting quotas or whatever? But uh, yeah, send us an email. Yeah. You know, uh, be anonymous if you need to, but that's yeah. A, yeah, please feel free to speak uh, anonymously. Our email is beyond at IGN.com. It's actually a public fact. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Uh, so, it goes straight to us. Oh, does it? Okay. Well, sorry. Anyway, moving on from that. She blew our uh, cover. <laughs> crap. Um, moving on from that, I wanted to mention also in the last week we learned that Final Fantasy VII Remake is getting a classic mode uh, that is meant to closely replicate the 1997 original game. Uh, I'm reading Matt Perslow from our wonderful UK story, so if there are any problems with it, blame him and not me. Announced at Tokyo Game Show and summarized on Twitter, Square Enix explained that Classic Mode handles the action side of Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat, 
automatically requiring the player to only use the command menu to issue attacks. Uh, it's not identical to the original game's combat, in which characters remain stationary between actions, but it does replicate the menu style of input. Um, the quote from Square Enix on their Twitter feed says, so anyone playing FF7 Remake in classic mode does not have to worry about the action side of the combat system and can instead focus on selecting commands, making it possible to play as if it were a classic menu-based RPG. Wow. I mean... That's cool. I think it's really cool that the option is there. Yes. Uh, I Matt actually also wrote a, an op-ed that went up on the site today about how it's, again, it's great that the option is there, but it is no way, shape, or form the same battle system as the original Final Fantasy VII. It's just kind of a, a, a shadow of it. Yeah. Uh, it. It's almost like a kind of like a nod to it rather than uh, a complete replica of that system. Yeah. Um, so I think that it'll be fun to play, like play around with, but ultimately I think the, for me, I don't know how you guys feel from what I've seen of Final Fantasy remakes battle system. I, I, I love it. I think it looks great. I think it looks like the, the kind of update that, that I wanted Yeah. where it still kind of feels like I am being, um, very selective and I'm making choices that are going to affect, you know, the next couple of moves, uh, at this, but at the same time, it's very frenetic and exciting and there's a sense of uh, uh, stakes in it that I, 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 I really like the new battle system. I like the complexity they've been showing of it. For me, what this system means more, to, more than anything is not, hey, this plays like an old RPG. This is like, hey, if this combat seems too complex for you, but this really beautiful looking game you might be interested in or you love the old game but haven't played an RPG since, this will make it a little more accessible for you. Yeah, totally. And, I, I and I'm all also... for any kind of accessi accessibility like updates yeah. to games. So I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I, I honestly like the turn-based side of JRPGs has always been the, the least appealing part of those to me. I know some people really love like the that whole process, but like you don't uh, like just standing still and going things like well like enemies yeah. attack you and you're just helpless. Playing yeah. is good, but waiting is so much sweeter. I did that <laughs> I did that on our lunchroom today. I brought my lunch in and like there were three people using the microwave, so I just was like dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> just waited. That was me, sorry. It's okay. No, it's, it's cool they added that, though. Yeah. Uh, do they have a, a mode where it makes the camera angles sort of wonky and all the red back backgrounds pre-rendered <laughs> and to jump back and forth between ladders and climb them manually? I that firmly be believe they could put that in there yeah. if they want to. Uh, I, hope they, I hope they do low-poly uh, models. That would be really that. fun. The, uh, yeah. the Yakuza 7 guys should read the story and do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, get scared sorry, off, getting many messages from yeah, all the other people we're working with. Moving oh, on. Any yeah, I know. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Any breaking news? Uh, no, no breaking news. Just uh, double-checking things. Uh, moving on from that, though, did want to mention briefly, this came up earlier today. Uh, we don't have impressions from the beta because I was going to have Mark Medina on, but he is very busy. Um, Call of Duty, Activision, and Infinity Ward announced uh, the crossplay details of how that will work. Um, they have already said crossplay will be coming to Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but they didn't really explain how. And essentially, people across PS4, Xbox One, and PC will be able to play together. It's, uh, you can opt in or opt out as you choose, but they will essentially be putting people into uh, control scheme-based uh, categories. So if everyone is playing on a controller, people can opt into just be matched with people who are playing on controller. Similarly, since consoles uh, can 
use keyboard and mouse in some ways. You can play on a console with keyboard and mouse against people on PC with keyboard and mouse. You can opt to say, I don't care about uh, which system you're using. So they're allowing uh, quite a bit of flexibility for people who want to be able to play crossplay, uh, which is always nice to see given there are not a ton of crossplay games on PS4. It'd be kind of crazy if Call of Duty was not one of them. Uh, also, just briefly wanted to mention, Neo 2 is getting an open beta from November 1st to November Sweet. 10th. Uh, that'll be available on the PlayStation Store. Uh, not too much else about what that beta will include, but Neo 2 was announced at E3 2018. And then other than I think maybe there was like a closed beta or alpha recently, we haven't really heard much from that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep forgetting about this one. I'm like, yeah. I think it's going to come out of nowhere and really surprise people. Yeah, I know. The first one was awesome. Chloe Rad, uh, who used to be on our staff, was a huge <clears throat> fan of that game, and I think she gave it a nine. So yeah, I did. You guys play it? And love it? Yeah, yeah. I'm too bad. Played it those and games. Absolutely loved it. I like you know as a, I'm a fan of the From games, and you know well, everything is compared to Dark Souls, blah blah. <laughs> but like I, uh, I couldn't get into it. I like I know that I'm not really adding much to the conversation there, but I'm I'm just I'm wondering why. Like I remember I was playing as a little nude dude. I was in a jail. Am I thinking I'm thinking the right game, right? Was he nude in the beginning? (laughs) The little nude dude in the jail. Like he's in a dungeon at the beginning. That's a Tom Petty song. Um, I don't know. I think he's in the jail. I I played the first two hours, but I can't remember. I played the first. I played the first two hours of what I thought was Neo. I Neo or Neo? Am I thinking of Neo? This is a very common. This is Samurai Witcher with. With people of your voice, because they, you make those games. Alana used to do the exact same thing. Nia Nia. Yeah. yeah. Like, Nia, Nia. Yep. And I'd be like, I don't know which one you're talking about. Which one? Okay, then which one was the mix? Like, was that. I think what you're doing mix? with your hands is near. Near. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. crazy. No, I'm sorry, then I'm thinking of near. Near. Neo. I'm thinking near. 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 So, Moving on. A Neo yeah. miss. Neo is basically like Samurai Bloodborne before Sekiro was a thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that I was yeah. thinking of. What? But like, I is there a re- naked man in it I or not? Being <laughs> like, a, like you play as you start off and you're all, you know, I like any, in any of the Souls games, like you start off and you're all defenseless and you've got like a little pair of underpants. For some reason, I remember the nudity. You don't start naked in Bloodborne. I don't know why I'm still talking. You have a full cloak and everything. You have a full cloak. Yeah, you don't start naked in the jail in Bloodborne. No, Eventually not, you okay, end up not in the Bloodborne, jail. but like in the Souls games, like you're an old, like you're wearing an old rag. Yeah, I mean, it's not. <laughs> Why did the rag have vocal fries? Why did you turn into a Halloween ghoul? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love. I just love watching you when you're just completely just scrambling, like you're yeah. just you're just like oh, grasping at straws. Oh, words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm watching it happen in you real sound, time. You sounded like Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> rag. Your faith in your friends is yours. Your pitiful little band. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, now, before we wrap up, we are a little strapped for time, um, so we'll move on from this that I have down on the run of show for next week. Uh, moving on from that, I did want to briefly mention, if not, well, I'll just move on from it, what everyone's been playing. Lucy, I know you've been traveling, so you haven't had too much. I have not been playing anything because I've been traveling. But Bad like, gamer. I'm, I know, but this weekend I'm getting uh, into control. That's my, Very nice. that's my goal. Mm-hmm. Brian, what about you? Uh, I was playing Control, but I've been all in on Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening right, on Switch, yes. so look for tons of coverage for that. And on yep. what is that? This is a PlayStation show. It's this game where you start naked in a jail. <laughs> <laughs> As all good games should start. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a man naked in a jail. Uh, Max, what about you? Have you been I, I beat Control. Okay. Um, yeah, How it was, are you feeling? It was good. It was a... Uh, yep. 
That last that last part was a real real pain in the patoot. Yeah, it gets <laughs> um, tough there. Yep. Just really, I was like so. Cr- I was definitely. I, I don't know. It was I don't, I don't think it was even particularly difficult. I was just like in the sort of. I got frustrated and then I walked away and then had forgotten how to play the game and then was more frustrated. But when I finally got through it, I was very happy about it. I think that is a, a good size for a game. It's kind of nice to be like. If there used to be that time when I don't know a game was ten or twelve hours. You know, I think that was kind of a standard yeah. length, and now it's like either you get a. 70 hour open world RPG or you get like break up with your partner mm-hmm. like quit your job yeah. wake up naked yeah. in a jail wake up naked get, in a jail you get like a little like you know poop sop time sink whatever like um, <laughs> or a two hour yeah or it's swap. or it's yeah. like a like a twee little like you know you walk around and, and you know press X to pay respects or whatever um, but no it's kind of cool to have like it, it honestly reminded me a bit of Titanfall 2 in a weird way where it, it yeah. felt like ooh okay that a, is a ringing endorsement for me yeah I mean it, not that much in, in common at all. No, really, it's exactly Titanfall 2. Yeah. You get the robot friend and you go and do <laughs> jumping. Uh, but no, it's the fact that it was it was like a pretty concise experience that it you know, it didn't it didn't feel too short and it didn't overstay its welcome. Um and it felt like you took a bunch of modern systems and sensibilities and applied them to this sort of like older format for a game. Which I know yeah, some people yeah. are like, twelve hours, get out of here. But they've announced that there's gonna be a bunch of like Big DLC expansions, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a great length for that game. So super excited to see what else comes from that. Mm -hmm. I've been playing uh, Mutazone, which is embargoed uh, till after this comes out, but I will probably write about it so you can look forward to that. Uh, Moving on from that, did want to take a couple questions from you, the viewers and listeners at home. Uh, The first one is from our dear old departed, he's still alive, don't worry, friend Ronnie Barrier, who was the producer of the show. He said, if you were a PlayStation console or handheld, which one would you be and why? I think Brian is a PlayStation 1 with the cool flip-up travel screen because he's cool and travels a lot. I think that that would make me more of like a PSP Go. Hmm. I always like the PSP Go. It's a good one. It's got a little sliding screen on it. It's got an analog. It's a good pirate thing. Like old and portable. Yeah. Mm. Old and portable. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Max, what about you? Mm. I'm that I'm that last PS3 that had the the grill, the crappy lid that looked <laughs> like a George Foreman grill. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm that I'm that. PSP that I bought off eBay and overdrafted my account and then had to sell to my friend Dan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had it for like three weeks. It sucked. I'd be like the, yeah, I'd be like the older PS3 model, like mainly used for playing DVDs and CDs. I feel that says a lot about my personality. Sure. I'd probably like say, sorry. The, the 60 gig launch one with backwards compatibility? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. It's a rare one. Uh, I think I'm the Vita because I think I'm pretty great, but you probably haven't heard of me because I'm usually pretty quiet. Oh. Anyway, moving on from there, Marcus I think you're the asks, Vita because I love you. <laughs> I think you're the Vita because you're the best PlayStation console. <gasps> yeah. Suck it, PSP. Go. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> That's okay. We both failed. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, moving on from that, Marcus asks, do you think The Last of Us 2 will have a multiplayer mode? If so, do you think it will be expanded or changed drastically from the first iteration? I think they have confirmed multiplayer before, and if not, I think pretty obviously they will. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring it up because, one, I think it's fascinating. There is... Um, still an ongoing community for the last of us multiplayer uh on ps4 since the ps3 servers are shut down but it's such a like lengthy involved there's a really deep progression to it uh that people stay with it one to because they love it and two to partially help newcomers have like a community to help get them through it 
Um, so The Last of Us like has a surprisingly deep multiplayer system, so I think they'll still include it, but um, I don't know how different it will be. Did you guys play Muster of It when The Last of Us first came out? I did a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I feel like Naughty Dog's, all of Naughty Dog's multiplayer efforts have actually been surprisingly good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're usually very fun, but I think like looked at differently because they're looked at as the marquee cinematic people. So yeah, it's a yeah. different experience. Um, the long tail on those games is pretty awesome. Like, yeah. People play them for years and years. There's unlockable stuff. There's multi-leveled tiers and stuff like that. Huge communities behind them. Um, I absolutely think that's going to be a, a huge thing now. Yeah. Especially for the new one. Can I retract my what PlayStation console I would be and come up with a new answer? Yes. Because yes. I just spent that whole time thinking about that's it. I wasn't even really properly listening to it. Clearly written that that's against the rules, Lucy. Okay. I would be a PlayStation 1, a classic. Why, why did you do? Why did it take you seven minutes for that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm still jet lagged. <laughs> but you'd be the PlayStation 1, not the PlayStation Every classic, PlayStation right? is a classic. Oh, yeah, no. Except yeah, for the PSP. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be the mini PlayStation Classic. <laughs> just podcast beyond, like I would like to propose a new rule where Lucy cannot answer a question with a joke that bad that we've already moved on to. I would like top. to propose to push against that rule. Before you came back, I thought you'd be like the PlayStation boomerang controller where like we saw you years ago, but we never thought we'd ever see you again. <laughs> And moving on from that, I wanted to jump into, we have a few great memory card stories. So let's read some wonderful memory cards. Uh, For those who don't know, and for those who do, memory card is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, tell us your funny, sad, happy, wonderful, weird, whatever stories about your gaming life. Uh, We got a bunch of amazing ones in. Going to read two today. So if you've written in, still intend to totally read so many of these stories. They're all so great. Just sometimes press for time. I wanted to read a story from Yair. Uh, friend of the show and a wonderful human being. Yair wrote in and said, long time listener, first time memory carding. Uh, I love this segment as it shows the gaming has such a positive effect on so many lives. And while it might not be up to par with other people's experiences, never say that all of your stories are wonderful. I figured I'd share my own origin stories. Growing up, I played mainly on PC. Nintendo wasn't officially present in Israel at the time, and the only glimpse on a PS1 occurred in hotels during vacations. Being the little kid of my family, my big brother and sister always ganged up on me. Fast forward a couple of years, and my 13th birthday was coming up. It being a big deal for a Jewish kid, my big brother and sister surprised me with a console on my own, uh, along with Tekken 3 and Muppets Monster Adventure. (laughs) Together at last. All of which they bought with their own money. We had spent hours trading controller back and forth, helping Robin the Frog demonster the cast of our favorite show and making awful impressions of Pepe and Beaker. In my eyes, that was a turning point in our relationship with each other. While we still fought as siblings often do, it was no longer them versus me, and I will forever be grateful to them for introducing me to PlayStation. Keeping a positive voice, sweet. Yair. That is one. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, uh, Yair's an awesome dude. He's like just been a huge Beyond fan for years, and uh, thank you so much for being there, man. I, I love these stories. Yeah, uh, you can write into Beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card with your story, and we will read some of those on the show each week. Uh, I know we're running a bit late on time. Do you guys have time for a trophy test? Or... Yeah, let's do it. I did this trophy test thinking Mark Medina would be on the show. So these trophies are from Call of Duty Black Ops 4. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll begin... With this trophy test, as you may or may not know, each week I come up with fake titles for trophies and have the rest of the panel guess which are the real trophy titles. Uh, So I will give you the description and then the fake and real title in some random combination. I just want everyone to know that even (laughs) even games that I have played 
over and over and over and over and over again and got a whole bunch of trophies. I will never remember the names, ever. And that's why I love doing this. It just, it's just not information that sticks in there. Lucy, you're like a chaotic good version of the person that grabs the microphone at a wedding. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, listen. Like the old None uncle. of you guys know the bride as much as I do. I know her the more than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lucy, even if you have not or have played Black Ops 4, you can probably still win. Because the good thing is everyone's a winner in trophy test. But we'll begin with the first trophy. It's not true. Everyone is not a winner. I'm trying to be nice. Win 50 <laughs> games in multiplayer. Vanquisher or Dominator? Dominator. Dominator. Vanquisher. Lucy is correct. Damn it. Vanquisher. See, you can lose. I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. We have several more to go. I didn't do the whole list. Don't worry. Acquire 100% of the stars. What? <laughs> Is that Centennial or Reach for the Stars? Centennial. I'm going to go with Centennial. Centennial. You are all corrected to Centennial. All right. You have to collect the stars in that game? Like, yes. Like from the flag? Who knows? Yeah, all hundred of the stars on the old flag. 100%. 100% of 50. How many flags is it? There's one flag with 50 stars? stars, and you have to get 100% How of How many them. flags are in the game? Each star is <laughs> half of 1%. <laughs> if you can't collect all the stars, can you at least reach commander in multiplayer while playing online? Would that trophy be battle-tested or battle-hardened? Wait, what was the... Reach yeah. commander in multiplayer while playing online. Battle-hardened. Battle-tested. Max, I'm sorry, you were incorrect. It is battle-tested. I'm starting to figure out your logic, Jonathan. Maybe you are. I always think that, and then he just throws all these curveballs, and then I'm wrong. Lucy, you're in the lead with three. Brian, you have two. Max, you have one. Moving on. Earn 10 medals that are based on special issue equipment. Special issue master or special issue equipment? Which is the name of that trophy? Special issue equipment. That's what my gut says. Because it's the boring one. Because it's boring, <laughs> and that means that you will... Okay, I'm going to go with special... Yeah, equipment. Equipment. You're all correct. Yeah! yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Right, Maybe Don't I need to have someone else it. do these. Uh, unlock <laughs> all intel. Private investigator or sleuth? Oh, okay. <laughs> Private <laughs> investigator. It sounds the most military, and they yeah, love yeah. that over so there. Those boys love that a lot. More tactical sounding. Well, seeing as I'm syllables. in the lead, I'm going to go with that as well. You're all wrong. It's sleuth. <laughs> sleuth. <laughs> sleuth. What? Sleuth. Did we all? Did we all think sleuth was too smart for Call of Duty? Is that what happened? <laughs> that it's dumb word. A, what is, I don't that even know where that like word comes whistling. from. <laughs> sleuth. <laughs> sleuth. The. F- <laughs> it's like the the silenced pistol sound. Sleuth. Yeah. <laughs> The final trophy. I'm Sam Fisher. <laughs> the final trophy. Earn a star with each special. Is that Stargazer or Reach for the Stars? Oof. Oh, man. I can't imagine them doing either of these. The first one sounds wussy and the other one sounds corny. They're both bad. Yeah. I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> Earn a star with each special. Stargazer or Reach for the Stars? I'm going to go with Reach for the Stars. Stargazer. I'm going to go with Stargazer. The correct answer is Stargazer. I'm sorry, Max. That sounds like a horse's name. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the specials. Call of Duty loves horses. Yeah. Uh, no, that's Battlefield. That's the one where they There's kill been the horses, horses in Call of Duty. I've done several Never videos on them. that. I'm a journalist. I, I believe that. <laughs> uh, I know because we get horse.com emails to be on. Sorry about that. It's okay. They gave uh, us a free magazine subscription. 
Side note, we started doing this thing with my kid where we ask her about animal names and what like what they say, and we got to horse, and we were like, what does a horse say? And she goes, nay, 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 nay. <laughs> and I was like, that would be legit terrifying. <laughs> you walked up to a horse, and he was like, nay, 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 nay. <laughs> like, Put that animal down. It's horrible. Well, Lucy, congratulations on winning Thank this trophy you. test. Uh, Lucy, you got the gold trophy. Brian, you got the silver. And Max, you got the bronze. Congratulations <laughs> to you all. Thank you all so much for playing along at home and for listening to this episode of Beyond, episode 606. We are live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at IGN, uh, beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. When we are not there, we are making tons of content on IGN.com and youtube.com slash IGN. So please go check out everything we're making, everything we're editing, writing, producing, shooting, living, being, existing. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Uh, Brian, anything you want to tout slash where can people find you? No, just the stuff that I talked about earlier we have like a hundred things for Link's Awakening going up so if you get stuck in that game uh, we got your back and you are at Adrian Bizzle that's right on social media and Lucy uh, I am Luce O'Brien on Twitter and Instagram Max I'm Max Scoville on both of those things I am at J.M. Dornbush on both of those things as well uh, if you go to Instagram you can see the wonderful tacos that me and I, I saw those those look great They're very good you make that tortilla from scratch no so oh. that was the only part we did not but it looks like Can it. you make that table I did <laughs> from Ikea anyway thank you all so much for watching listening and for hearing about my table and as always beyond 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 PlayStation <laughs> hey there this is Justin Bartha I made a funny new podcast King of the Egg Cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black I'm by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.